0: It would be bad, you know, to to get two out of three and, you know, and and miss the three because most of the times, that's it. I mean, there's sometimes two out of three is pretty good. But, you you know, there are sometimes you got to have all three of them. this This is four, but you need all of them. You need all of them. You need all of these things. And so, there are four sermons that I've preached to you on this. So, don't, don't miss this. I want to take you to a story in uh, 2 Kings. It's uh, The full story is in chapter 14, 15, and 16. But it's about a king named Asa. And uh, his, his whole story is right there in those three chapters. You can read about it. But I, I want to tell you a good bit of his story, just kind of relate it to you. We'll read a few scriptures in just a, a few moments. But uh, King Asa, he, you know, and and I don't know how much you know about. Uh, the, the history of Israel and uh, the kingdom of Judah especially. But the kingdom of Judah, uh, you know because Israel split for a long time. They split into two kingdoms. One was called Israel, one and Judah. And, and once they did that, Israel never had, never, the, the kingdom is known as Israel, they never had a righteous king in that whole time. But now Judah, they had righteous kings and unrighteous kings, kings that followed God and kings that didn't. And, uh, and when uh, they had a righteous king that followed God, the nation followed God. But when the king turned his back on God, the nation followed him and turned their back on God. Does it sound familiar? I mean, if you look around today, isn't it kind of the same way? Uh, You know, it really ought not be, shouldn't it? I mean, we ought to be the ones, the church ought to be the ones changing things, but it seems like it's so easy for rulers and politicians to decide the direction that, and I, I don't just mean economically, I mean spiritually, you know, and it shouldn't be that way, but a lot of times that's the way it is. And it was that, that way, uh, Asa, he came to power, and uh, he was a, a righteous man, yet he followed an unrighteous king. And uh, he did some amazing things. He tore down the uh, idols that had been erected, you know, these, uh, they would erect these idols, you know, that they would worship false gods. And We, we know what an idol is, right? It's something you worship, you know? Yeah, it's something you worship, like no, college football, you know, those kinds of little things, right? You know, and, and he tore those things down tearing those down. And then he built something back up. You know what was torn down? The things that were torn down were the altars of God. The places where they went and they worshiped God, where they brought their sacrifice, where they brought their gifts to God, where they spent time just telling him how awesome and great he was and to see if he might even speak back to some of them. And so they they had torn down the altars of God and they had raised up idols for themselves. Kind of Opposite of what needs to be, right? So that's what Asa did. Asa came in and he turned things around. Kind of like the first sermon in this series, save and delete. There's some stuff that we need to be deleting and getting out of our way, and there's some stuff that we need to be saving. Asa came in and he deleted all of those idols, and then he saved, he rescued, he rebuilt the altars of God. And guess what the people did? They didn't rebel. They didn't scream. They didn't yell. You know what they did? They immediately followed they, they got in line. They actually made a new covenant with God. They, they renewed their covenant, and the covenant they made with him was to wholly follow after God. So, so the king comes in and rebuilds the altars, and what do they do? They start worshiping God again at the altars. And, and the king tears down the idols, and they start saying, hey, we're going to follow you instead of these idols. You know, like that sermon on Save and Delete. Turn the radio off, turn the CD off, you know, whatever, and give God a little bit of time. That's what they did. When we have all these things in our life, they take up the time away from what we need to be spending with God, these idols that we have and these things that we exalt in our life and we give too much time and too much space in our life. In actuality, these, these things didn't need one bit of space in Israel, but they took up way too much space. And so they turned back to God, and they, 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 they covenanted a new covenant, a new promise to God, and they fulfilled it. They followed through. They followed through with seeking after God. And you know what God did? God showed up. And, and he gave them. And here's, the, here's the big, big blessing that we see there in chapter 15. We see uh, uh, noted that, that God gave them a period of peace of 25 years. Now that might not sound like a long time to some of you my age or older, you know, and say, well, you know, that's maybe half my life or something, you know, but 25, you have to remember what things were like back in those days, that kings were rising and falling and and they were constantly fighting for territory and and beating one another and trying to to win over and at 25 years without any war, that that was a big deal back in those days it would be a big deal in these days today. I, I checked the history because I, I wanted to be able to tell you this. I checked the history. Do you know you have to go back 160 plus years in the history of this country to find 25 straight years of peace without any war in the history of this nation right here? So this was a big deal. God had blessed them. And so here's what happened then on the outside. Is because God was blessing them. Large numbers of people were coming into Israel. They were migrating in to Israel. They were coming into Israel so that, uh, so, so that they could also experience the blessings. Everybody wanted to live in a place so blessed by God. Okay? And, and this is this is the kind of thing we pray for. This is the kind of thing we dream about is that God will once again uh, begin to bless his people and, and, and so that so people will look around and say, you know, I, I, want, I want what they've got. I want to be blessed like that. I mean, this is, the, this is the kind of stuff that we want to prophesy about, say, oh, that God would, and pray the big prayers, preach sermons, and ask God to really do it. We want this to happen. But I know we say, but that was a king. I'm not a king. I'm not an ace. I'm, I'm not in position to change the course of, of a nation. I'm not in position to do that. Okay, but I, I yeah, I teased you just a little bit because I made it sound like it all started with a king, didn't I? You know, let me take you to scripture now. 2 uh, Chronicles chapter 15, the first verse there. Before any of that happened that I just told you about. Now he did some things in chapter 14, but before any of that happened that I just told you about, look right here what it says. The Spirit of God came on Azariah before any. Before Asa did those things before. Before uh, God gave twenty-five years of peace. Before the people turned their turned their heart back to God, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Azariah. Who's Azariah? I mean, he, he's not a king. He's. Kind of like me and you. He doesn't have any position. He doesn't have any authority. He's a nobody. But the Spirit of God comes. This is where it begins. Last week's sermon, you know, talking about the Spirit of God and what the Spirit of God can do. And, and, and this week we've been on a journey looking at, wow, what the Spirit of God can do. Look at what the Spirit of God can do. Okay, the Spirit of God comes on him. Whoa, whoa, whoa what did he come on him for? Well, I'll show it right here, is that he prophesied. And look, look what he says. Go on verse 7. says. I'm sorry, verse 2. says, listen to me, Asa. He shouted. Okay, And I like that. I like that he, he lets us know. Look, I'm talking to the king too. I, I, you know, I'm not just you know, preaching on the street corner, whoever hears me. Listen to me, Asa. And so he prophesies. He begins prophesying and he shouts and he says, listen, all you people of Judah and Benjamin. So he calls all of them as Well, the Lord will stay with you as long as you stay with Him. What a word! I mean, you, you might be saying here, you might be saying, "Well, duh." You know, duh. but think about this: the Lord will stay with you as long as you stay with Him. That's a promise. That's a promise. What, what an amazing promise! Is it if I want God in my camp? If I want God on my side? If I want God fighting my battles? All I've got to do is I'm just going to stay with him. You know, he, he never teases me. He never wanders away for a little while. He never neglects me. He never ignores me. If I'll just stay with him, he, he's going to stay with me. This is, this is an awesome promise, an awesome word. And he goes on, but he says, well, whenever you seek him, you will find him. But if you abandon him, he will abandon you. And then, I'm not going to read all these verses, but Azariah gives them a little history lesson. He reminds them of some stuff they already know, and, and, and I'm, I want to do that with you today too, okay? It, it's some of this stuff. You already know this, and they already knew this. He, he, says, he says, come on, remember, guys, that there was a time where we were not following the true God. We didn't have him. We didn't know him. We, we weren't connected with him. We weren't worshiping him, and we weren't hearing from him. We had lost our way. We had disobeyed him. We had walked away from him, and, and when that happened, the land was in distress, he even, he even goes so far and says this. He says, it was even dangerous to travel on our roads because, because we had walked away from God. Th- this was the distress that, that we came under because of that. And, and nations were attacking one another, and even cities were crushing one another. It, it said, this is the distress we were in. And then in, in our distress, we called out to God, and he made himself found. I like how he said that. He said he made himself found. It's like you know, some people think they got to chase and they got to find God. Listen, all you got to do is just be with Him. He He wants to be found. He's not hiding Himself from you. And He made Himself to be found as soon as we started looking for Him, and 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 He He brought back all the promise to us. Okay, so here, there's the history lesson. Remember, don't you rem- think about it in your own life when you've been after God or when you've been after your own stuff. And look at the difference. Look at the difference and the distress that comes when when you're doing it your way and you're choosing your way and you're you're making all the plans and you look at the stress and the, yeah, the stress as well as the distress that comes into your life. And just remember and remember that, wait a minute, I've got a promise that he will be with me as long as I am with him. Remember, and don't forget this year, you want this year to be different, remember them. He will be with you as long as you are with him. And, and so then he goes on to verse 7. And, and verse 7 says, but as for you, you, you remember all this in the past, you remember the kings that led us away from God and we didn't have the true God, we didn't have a priest, we didn't have the law. But as for you, Asa, be strong and don't get discouraged for your work will be rewarded. And it was this word that so encouraged Asa. He immediately jumped up. He went out and he started rebuilding the altars. He started tearing down the idols and he led, he led a nation back to God. And here, here's what God did. God's Spirit stirred Azariah to stir a king, to stir a nation, to turn their heart back to God. And I know it looks a lot of times like... like Real change and, and making a real difference, you know, in, in our community is something oh, way beyond my reach and beyond my scope of influence. You know, changing, you know, changing even my family sometimes. You know, I mean, if you're not the head of the house, you know, you might say even changing my family is beyond my scope of influence. But what we have to remember is this doesn't begin with me. It didn't begin with Azariah. It began with the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God is able to impact, influence, to change. The Spirit of God reaches into kingdoms beyond my influence. The Spirit of God reaches into, into nations beyond my influence. The Spirit of God reaches into times, years, and generations beyond my influence. Uh, You know, many times I've told people, say, if you don't know, you know, you don't know what to pray for your communities, just open your eyes. You know, driving down the streets, you know, Pray over houses. You know, you, you, you see something that doesn't look right, pray over that house and, and just ask the Spirit of God because the Spirit of God goes inside, inside of homes, out, even outside of your influence through the Spirit of God. But what we do is we have this um, small-minded focus that there's just, just so little we can do. I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to tweak little things here and there. I mean, come on, let's be honest, be serious. Do most of our lives need tweaking or do we need change, you know? <laughs> we, don't, we don't need tweaking. We need some change. All right, come on. Your finances, do they need tweaking or do you need some change? Do you know, your relationship in your family, spouse to spouse, parent to child, back and forth, do they need tweaking or do they need Change. You know, the margins in your life, I don't have any, Pastor. Well, that doesn't sound like tweaking. That sounds like you need some change. And so, and, and, but what we do is often we, we, we're thinking, we're, we're focusing on one little thing. Is like this year, if I just fix this, my whole life's going to be wonderful. And it's not going to be that way. I mean, you don't tweak or change a little thing. Imagine that one little thing that you see is the problem. What if God also changed the attitude of your spouse or your boss? Or your best friend, or the people in the community who are giving you trouble, your next door neighbor. What if God also changed them? Wouldn't it make a real difference in your life? So, so, so we need to look a little beyond what we think the scope of our reach and influence is. You know, what what, what really, to what's really, really going to make the difference. Here, see, here, here's. And this is something I, I wanted to put on the screen because I really want you to get this. It is insanity for us to believe that we can change our life and we can change the world by only focusing on ourselves. But that's what we do: is we think, oh, "Man, if I just get me right, everything's good." But the economy's still bad, right? Your boss is still mean. You know, your your spouse is still mad at what you did. You know, your your parents are still upset. You know. You know, I mean, there's, there's stuff outside of... It is insanity for us, and especially us who are Christians, the church, to believe that by focusing only on me, I can change the world. It's not going to happen. That's just not the way it is. But, but, but that's kind of the attitude we've gotten, is that to change things, I only need to change me. Now, let me, let me remind you, and this is, kind of this, this is kind of the sermon series in a nutshell right here, is This is the difference. The difference begins right here with me. The difference begins with me. Me deciding, I've got I to delete some things out of my life. i got to save and resuscitate and revive some things in my life. And then, and then I've, also, I've also got to you know, embrace the God, uh, the, the things that God is wanting to accomplish in me. The difference begins in me, is accomplished through God, through His plan, His grace, in his power. That's last week's sermon. If you didn't hear that one, definitely go back and hear that sermon. It's accomplished through God, but it is perfected. I use that word on purpose. You remember that word from a couple of weeks ago, perfected? See, I told you I was going to be relating back and forth, so you need to hear these sermons if you missed them. Perfected, and it doesn't mean perfect like we think in the word perfect, you know, everything. It means complete, fulfilled, finished, and it is perfected in me Reaching out and ministering to others. This is how the difference happens. You see, and and, and I, know, I, know, I know the argument may be here that, Pastor, it looks like you're saying a whole lot of this is up to me. Well, he, here's the thing. Is God is the one that's going to do it. God is the difference. But you are the one who chooses to allow the difference to happen in your life. You choose to let it begin up there at that top line. And then you choose to let it be fulfilled and finished. There's a lot of people who can start up there at the top and choose and say, God, I want you to make a difference in me and through me. But the real question is how many, you know, know, by Groundhog's Day, five weeks in, are gonna still be saying, yes, God, I want the difference. And by April and May, yes, God, I I want a difference. And I wanna be the difference in somebody's life. And my November and December are still saying. And so it, it really is a lot about us. It is a lot about us. And, and, and the problem that we have is, is, is we don't really realize, I mean, we cannot change the world by focusing. Listen, if we're going to change our world, we have to change our world. I mean, it just makes sense, doesn't it? Uh, you, you cannot just focus on yourself and change the world around you that you live in, that you work in, that your kids go to school in. If you want there to be a difference, you cannot just focus right here and the difference just happen. Things have to change. Last, last Sunday night, I heard, I heard a term twice. I hadn't heard this term, I don't know how long. I mean, kind of thing you kind of hear on a, maybe a James Bond movie or something like that, but zero sum. Heard it twice last Sunday night. I thought, hmm, that's weird. And then I thought, man, that fits into my sermon this next Sunday. Yeah, z- z- Zero sum, you know what that means? That means kind of like, you know... Uh you know, I got fifty dollars in my pocket. You got fifty dollars in your pocket. We got a hundred dollars between us. For you to have sixty dollars, I got to give you ten of my dollars. So, for you to get more, I have to have less. There is a zero sum there. I mean, you know, you can't. It's like we can't make ten dollars between us. We're not the federal government. We just can't print more money. You know, so we can't just make more money. And so we kind of have this idea sometimes, also. About spiritual things and church, you know, is that is that we can't really, uh, you know, create new and and, and it's like if we, if we give away, then we don't have. But God is the opposite of zero sum. He's the opposite of it because because when when God gives something away, there's more of it. You know, uh, the elders, the seventy elders that helped Moses, they were the first on that list last week in the sermon, and about how God said, "I will take of the spirit I've put on you, Moses." Talking about the Spirit of God. The, the Spirit that I put on you, Moses, I'm going to take of that Spirit. I'm going to put it on those 70 elders, and they're going to help you carry this load. Now, if you're a zero-sum advocate, if you, you believe that, you're thinking, oh, wow, then Moses, he's going to really be struggling. Because if God takes enough of that Spirit to give all these 70, then, man, he's not going to have anything left. And they're going you know, to be 170th what Moses was. That's not the way God's Spirit is. God's Spirit is like a candle. You take a candle flame and you light another candle. It does not diminish the flame that is on the previous candle. But the more candles you light and the more flames that you spread, what happens? You've got more and more light. That's what his word says. He says, give and you won't lose. Give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will men pour into your bosom? Because God... Is a God that goes beyond zero sum. He's bigger than that. Ask the, ask the widow at Zarephath. That when she said, I've got just a little bit left, and I'm gonna eat this, me and my son, and we're gonna die. And the prophet said, Don't give me a little cake first, and let's see what God can do. And because God's not a zero-sum God, that that, that 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 cruise of oil and that, that cruise of meal, it never went away. It's like they're always the, the more she gave, the more that was there. That's who God is. The more, the more that we give, the more that we receive. Remember, remind ourselves that that's, that's who He is, that's what He does. And, and, and so we're not here to hoard, we're not here to just give and to hold in and to receive. There, there, there's kind of been created a um, consumer mentality in the church world today. A lot of Christians have this consumer mentality of, you know, it's like we come, and we receive, and we receive, and we receive, and man, the problem with that is, man, you're always shopping for something a little better, aren't you? I mean, that's one of my problems with pulling the trigger on a decision. There's, there might be one that's a little better down the street, and Gary's tried to help me with that in car buying. You know, hey, you just need to go find the best you can, and settle on it, and just do it, you know, and don't beat yourself up if you find a better one, but you know, we got that, you know, there might be a <laughs> there might be a better worship service down the road, you know, there there might be a... More fun group of people down the street, or there. You know, we got this kind of attitude. Of, you know, a better dog and pony show next Sunday at to, to such and such church. And, and man, churches can get caught up in that. Pastors can get caught up in that. And, and, and I think the I think the, the the great loss there is that we lose truth. Is because then churches and pastors get fearful of sharing. The truth. Because they're afraid when people hear the truth, it might scare them away. You know, we, we don't want them to hear the truth. You know, it's a whole lot easier to say, hey, just show up on Sunday, we'll sing to you, preach to you, pray over you, and we're gonna send you home happy and full. That's a whole lot easier, isn't it? And you know what? It becomes easier for those who come to church to just attend a church like that that says, I get to go to a church that sings to me, pray, preaches to me, prays over me, and sends me home happy and full. Doesn't cost me a thing. I, you know, I, I don't have to do anything else. I know every Sunday, if I choose to go, I know every Sunday it's going to be there for me. And truth. Truth is, truth is the, the, the great casualty, I think, in the church consumer market. It's because we're afraid to be true. But I'm going to share truth with you this morning. I, I want us to remember the truth, what the truth of Christianity, who, who, what it means truly to be a Christian. First of all, let me, I was about to skip this, but Chase, I'm going to go back. I don't know if you already know it. Go to that scripture of, of Jesus. Uh, I, want to, I want to take you to a scripture of Jesus because here's truth. and This is, this is the kind of truth that scares some churches. They say, oh, we share this. Philippians 2, verse 5 through 8. Nobody nobody was more entitled than Jesus Christ. In your relationships with one another, Paul writes, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who? Be in very nature God. He is God. His nature, that's who He is. But He did not consider equality with God something to be used to His own advantage. Rather, He made Himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And Jesus more entitled than anybody to everything the universe has. but what did he do? He became a servant. We need to grasp again that we, we need to move from entitlement to servanthood, because as disciples of Christ, that's who we are, we follow Him. I'm not entitled to a good service today. I'm not entitled. You know, to a to to a good blessing today. I'm not entitled to that. I'm going to find one. I'm going to have. There, there's going to be one. I'm going to receive what I need. But I'm not entitled to that. I've got. Let me share the truth with you. I think I think you can handle it, right? If you can't, would you please close your eyes and ears? He goes. You know, I don't want to offend anybody. I think you can handle the truth. And the truth is, Christianity is not an invitation to a club. It's, it isn't. It is a call. It is a call. It is a call to, let's go to my truth there, it's not an invitation of a club, but it is a call to serve others as Christ served us. It's a call to serve others because Christ served me. It's a call to join him in the most awesome opportunity that's ever been given. You know, uh, that like we're we're not here today the reason god that god's called us number two right there is we're not a community we're not a, a selfish community of consumers that today we're here and we're just gobbling up all these blessings no but we are a priesthood of believers that we have been given these blessings and the stuff that we we hear today and we experience today in our spirits and and, and we receive today from him we as priesthood of believers we're We're not here as a consumer community uh, gobbling up. We're here, the priesthood of believers that has been entrusted with this to go and share with everybody else. We're not half entertainers and half fans, just kind of spending time with each other. You ever go to a concert, you know, and it's like you just try to get that connection. That's not who we are. It's not who we are at all. That's that's God didn't call us. We're not we're not uh, an audience. Number three, not an audience, right? Uh, I'm sorry, we're not half entertainers, half fans. We're all worshipers. We're all worshipers of uh, this one king. We're not, we're not just spending time with each other. We're spending time with the king of kings and the Lord of lords. We're not an audience who is, who is uh, uh, just kind of sitting and watching things g- g- happen and, and go on. But we're, we are the, we're his body. And not just entrusted with, but intrinsically involved in this grace ministry. We're not an audience just sitting and watching God do stuff. We're the body. We're the ones who's making it happen. You know, if if this whole thing is wrapped up in in him putting this inside of us, the, the plan and the grace and the power of God, then we're the body that is involved in making this happen. It happens through us. We're not here merely to eat from the king's table. Okay, understand, listen. We, we're eating from the king's table today. Man, they sing the songs. The Spirit of God shows up. Oof, man, just pouring it. We're, but we're not just here to eat. You know, so, that's, some, that's all some people get. You know, I go to, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't think anybody works at McDonald's. But if I go to McDonald's, I am just going to get something to eat. Okay? But if I come to your house, I'm coming to meet with you. The dinner is a side issue. That's what church is to us, to those who are the called, is we don't come to church to just eat at the king's table. That's the side issue. We come to church to encounter the king of the table. And, and, and you, might, you might always come to church and just say, hey, I'm here to eat because i got to get through another week. No, 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 the, the food's here, okay? And it's going to be here. But don't show up for that reason. Show up to encounter the king, and you'll get a whole lot more than just the meal. And, 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 and you might have always had that attitude You've got time in the rest of this service. We're going to sing one final song in just a few moments. And man, that song, it's just going to encourage us to really encounter the King today. And we're not here. We're not here also to make our demands. We're not here to to, to challenge God. We're here to answer the call to discipleship. Because the call has been given to us by the greatest mentor, teacher, or rabbi who has ever lived. I get, to, I get to be taught and led by him. And listen, here, here's, here's what people don't get. People think that we get words of instruction on how to live life from Jesus Christ. That's not who he is. Jesus didn't say, I have words of instruction. Jesus said, I am the life. And he doesn't just give us words of instruction about life, he gives us words of life that bring life into us. And we're not called last, we're not called to be cool or cutting edge. Somebody say, thank God, because I would have missed my calling. We're not called to be cool or cutting edge. We're called to be real so that people can see Jesus in us instead of a character of a Christian. Because that's that's the reality, that in ourselves without him, we're a facade. We're an empty shell. We are a character, no more, but in him. We are living the dream, Jeremiah 29 and 11. Prosper, future, and a hope. We are living under the abounding grace of Jesus Christ that has redeemed our past and also redeemed our future. And we are living by the power of the Spirit of God that raised Jesus Christ on the third day and that every morning wakes me up, and not just physically, But every morning, spiritually, revives me, renews me, and empowers me for everything I will face this next day. You see, when I look at the truth, and I see words of service and and priesthood and, and, and discipleship, I don't see bad news. I see the awesome news of the calling of Jesus Christ into a life of purpose. That's the truth of what it means to be a Christian. And if you want the difference this year, it'll be him. But it'll be your decision to allow it to happen. Would you stand and join me at the front so we can close? Amen. He has a plan to disciple this world, to change this world. You know where the the plan is? Standing right here in front of me. You're the plan. You are the plan. You're the plan to make it happen. You're the plan to change the world. He's not sending somebody else to change your marriage. He's not changing, sending somebody else to change. You are the plan. Open up and let, and let him do it. Let, let me say, I saved this one little thing. It was kind of fits back in another part of the sermon, but I saved it for right here. I just want it to be my closing. That consumer mentality, you know, a lot of people say, um, well, I'm just not being fed. There's a whole lot of those excuses that pastors hear about why people leave a church or whatever. I'm not just, to, let me tell you something. If you've been a Christian for any time at all, not being fed is not the, is not the responsibility of the church or of anybody around. If you've been a Christian a while, it is your responsibility to feed yourself. I mean, it's, you're, not, you're not a baby or child anymore. You know, the church helps you find it. And the church does feed you. You, you, you do get fed every time you come. But here, here's what I wanted to say about this. It's, you know, I don't think anybody's saying that here. But here's what I want you to remember: is this, this one thought. Young Christians need to be fed. The rest of us need to be challenged. Regularly, weekly, daily. Here's your challenge. Go be what God called you to be. Be the difference. You're the plan. This week, make it happen. Close your eyes with me. Jamie, go ahead when you can. Don't start.